burn. I'm going to have to kill this cow and I'm going to have to learn how to make fire. And I'm going to have to roast this cow over the fire. And I don't even know what part the steak is. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Hildo Spills the Beans. Tonight or morning, wherever you are, it will be a little bit different because it's just going to be us three. You, me, and the beans. I thought we'd try something a little bit new. Story time with Hildo. Once in a while, I'll spill my own beans where we just have some time where I talk and you listen, hopefully, and you enjoy it. Uh, If it does sound interesting at all, it's because it's the magic of my producer, Jeff. The guy is a wizard when it comes to editing. You can follow him on Twitter, at Dr. Wicked. The guy is a mad scientist genius. A few times on the show, I've I've talked about when I lived in Wyoming, and I have some various stories from there. And what I thought I would do is I'll tell the story of me being in Wyoming from beginning to end. Um, I had some really good experiences there. I only lived there for five months, so it wasn't that long of a time. Uh, some parts of it went really slowly, and some parts went really quickly. Um, I'm going to try to share all the stories and make it as dynamic as possible and also as honest as possible. I don't want to make it sound like it was all fun and games and I want to tell you the real story and you can get to know me a little bit better. So the first beginning part is how did I get there? I went to a school, I went to a small Christian school called Crown College. It's in St. Bonifacius, Minnesota. It's about 30 minutes away from the Twin Cities. And the reason why I went there is because I wanted to become a youth pastor And they have a really good youth program. In your junior year of college, your second semester, they take one semester. They cram it into six weeks. So literally from nine to five, every day for six weeks, you go to school. You would get home at five. You'd do your homework until about 10 or 11, hang out with your roommates for an hour or so, go back to bed, and and you do it again. You would do that for the first six weeks of school. And then when you were done with that, you would actually leave the school and do an internship for six months. So you'd finish the school year and then go throughout the entire summer at your internship. Since I was going to school to be a youth pastor, I had to find a youth pastor that would allow me to be their intern and be kind of have a mentoring relationship. And I knew some various pastors all over the United States. So I reached out to them. The first one was in Florida. (laughs) Okay. If I was totally honest, the first youth pastors that I was connecting to is because they were close to either Disney World or Disneyland. I'm not ashamed, but that's that's totally the truth. I had this I had this image in my mind of having my season pass and going there every time and like taking students there and having a blast and loving being around Disney World and Disneyland and so I reached out to I had some cousins that live in Florida and they went to this big church and I don't remember what happened with that, but it never nothing ever came of it. I think we had emailed a couple of times and it was just kind of, I just kind of got a weird vibe. Like they didn't need me at all. And I wanted to go to a place that I actually felt needed. And, and because I wanted to be with a youth pastor that would mentor me and actually want me there and not just go, okay, you're the perfect person to do all of our dirty work and whatever else we need. So I didn't do that. And then I had another friend of mine that I sort of knew um, we had worked at the same camp before, way different, way way different years apart. But we we had worked at the same camp at some point in our lives, and so we had that connection. I had emailed him a few times, and he it was kind of the same situation. He was like, um, 
yeah, yeah, you could you could come be my intern, but um, we can't pay you anything, and we don't have any place for you to live. So renting an apartment in in California, it was Long Beach, California. It was like it's just really expensive to live here. So I don't know how you're gonna do that, but I suppose you could come here and work with our youth group, and I could maybe find some things for you to do. But it's gonna be tough. I just didn't feel right about it. I could have gone and maybe it would have been fine, but maybe it was just his email, email communication, but it really just felt like there was nothing there. So I had two weeks left of this semester and I needed to find a place really bad. So my friend said, well, I've got a, I've got a youth pastor that's looking for an intern. He'd be really good. And he lives in um, Wyoming, Cheyenne, Wyoming. And I was like, oh, okay. I was thinking coast or left west coast or east coast. Uh, I hadn't really considered no coast, but I mean, I didn't really have a lot of options and I had to, I had to move there in two weeks. So he and I talked on the phone. He seemed like a really nice guy. I said, yeah, I'll, if you if you want me, I'll move there. And he was like, yeah, we got some people that that they have a shed in their backyard and you can live in this shed. And, and, th- but you'll be like part of the family. Like you can be part of the meals and stuff and you'll have your own space in this shed. And I was like, all right, I can live, I can live in a shed. That's not a, that's not a big deal. That's fine. Wyoming doesn't get too hot. Right. And it was going to be Mar- from March till August. As the two weeks progressed, he and I talked more just getting logistics out of the way and stuff like that. And, and every time he was, he was so excited. Like he, he put up PowerPoints for the youth group that like Dave is coming and nobody knew what that meant. And I was like this mysterious figure coming to help the youth group out. And he, he would call and he'd be like, Oh, well I got a car for you to use. Somebody in the church had an extra car. Insurance is all covered for it. So you'll, you'll have a car when you're here. And I'm like, Oh, that's awesome. Thank you. That's great. And then another week went by and he called me again and he's like, Oh, I've got a new place for you to live. It's this it's this family who's a contractor. It's it's a husband and wife. They have kids that are all adults, so they have this huge empty house to themselves. So you'll have the second floor to yourself, your own bathroom, own bathrooms. I had two bathrooms, and I had my own bedroom, huge walk-in closet. It was amazing. It was such a gift, and they and they treated me so well. The two weeks, two weeks went up. I said goodbye to everybody, and I moved to Wyoming, where I didn't know anyone. I had talked to the youth pastor on the phone two or three times. And I moved there and my parents shipped boxes of stuff and I had a ridiculous amount of stuff for a, a single guy living in a house in Wyoming for five months. All my movies, like my PS2 and, and CDs and tons of books. Like I was, there was no way I was ever going to read that amount of books, but uh, me as a person, wherever I go, I will, I always carry a ton of books. It's just who I am. And so I moved there and it was true. It was this giant house in Wyoming and it was just um, the other couple and myself and they traveled a lot. So I ended up being this huge house all by myself. And it was a really weird transition for me because I uh, lived in an apartment with four other guys, like a suite at my college. And I moved into this giant house where it was just me a lot of the time. That was super hard for me because I, I, at the time, I was extremely extroverted. I never wanted alone time whatsoever. I felt weird being by myself. Like me being in the basement right now talking to myself would have been so weird. I went through this big shock. Um, I had to really develop the side of my personality where I was okay being alone, not having that many friends, 
and just not having something to do every moment of the day. You know, Wyoming was great, but it was very different. It moves slower. People kind of hang out at dinner and talk for a long time at the table, which I grew to really enjoy. People would sit and just talk. It was a tough transition for me. I developed, <laughs> I don't know if it was an insomnia problem or however you want to call it, but I wouldn't sleep. The longest time I went without sleeping was five nights. I don't know where I was in the spectrum of um, losing my mind, but I was probably close. And I had trouble eating and I lost a ton of weight. Uh, I was just basically like bones. <laughs> but at the time, I was really good at not not sharing all my problems with people. I was dating someone at the time, but it was a long distance relationship. Slowly after I got more and more used to being there, I, I slept and was able to eat and, and all that. That all went away. But at the beginning, it was it was a super hard transition for me. And Wyoming is just, it's different. It's really flat. And then you can see mountains way in the distance and stuff like that. And there's tons of wind. Like here in Minnesota, the wind kind of comes in gusts and goes and then stops. And in Wyoming, it was just constant. Like I'd be in this huge house and I'd hear all this wind hitting the house. And I was waiting for a break in the wind and it would not come. And the the first youth event that we did there, it was skiing, which I had never been skiing before. And we had to cancel it because it was 75 mile an hour winds, which was weird. Like we're canceling an event because of wind. And it was just because these junior high kids would not have been able to stand on their skis because it was that windy. So I, I remember that so vividly because they had this fireplace and the wind could, would kind of come through the fireplace and like rattle it. And it would just be like this constant rattle of the fireplace. like, And it was something out of like a freaky movie or something but i i got used to it pretty easily um and the family that i stayed with was awesome they had five adult kids uh i think almost all of them had their own kids and every sunday night they had this giant huge living room and they had pizza every sunday night so the entire family and all the kids would come over and that was one of the requirements was living in the house was that i needed to be at pizza night on sunday nights which actually turned out to be really fun and and i and they included me as part of the family and i know for quite a while after they they referred to it as dave's room and at the house and i stayed in contact with them for a while but i haven't i haven't talked to them in a, in years i i ended up working with the youth group and the church had gotten a new pastor, and he was he was kind of shaking things up. It was cool. It was a really good experience to be part of a church staff that supported each other and encouraged each other in what they were doing, and that was really cool. And they really wanted me to experience every aspect of the church, and so they had me preach one Sunday, well, a couple Sundays. <laughs> My <laughs> Uh, I'm not long-winded at all, so this is like me talking today in this episode. It's ridiculous that I'm talking for this long. But I'm not I'm not long-winded. At least I don't consider myself long-winded. My sermon was 15 minutes long. They clapped at the end and they were like <laughs> which they never clap at the end of a sermon ever. And everybody was like, "Oh, great job. You did you did really good. Thank you." And somebody came up to me afterwards and was like, "Thank you for giving me some of my day back. This is great." <laughs> I'm like, "Yeah, no problem. Glad you enjoyed my sermon." Part of the church experience was they had me they had me sit on the church board for all the meetings if you're not familiar with churches that much they have they go by different names but it's really the board of directors for a church so you have a treasury you have a chairman 
Um, you have, they go by like overseers or elders. Those names kind of, overseer really freaks me out. But just the term overseer freaks me out. Makes me think of like the watchers in comic books where they sit and watch the universe. So they had me sit on the board. And that was really interesting to get that experience and to see what goes on behind the scenes. Since it was a really healthy church, the board did some really good things. And it would be decisions like, oh, this person in the church needs some extra money. Can we give them extra money out of our budget? Or like, this person is really struggling. They lost their job. Can we help them out in some way? And they're like, yeah, of course. Let's give them money. Let's let's get somebody over there to bring a meal or or let's let's figure out a way to work together with them and and that was cool and they had to make tough decisions too and they included me in those tough decisions which was really interesting to see um there was one guy on the board and his name well there's lots of guys on the board but there was one guy in particular and his name was alan and alan had a ranch um a legitimate ranch and it was an hour outside of cheyenne and he would drive in and go to these board meetings and he would come to church on sundays in Wyoming, um, an hour-long drive is not that long. It, it seems like a long time in Minnesota, but there it's kind of... I mean, Cheyenne is a small town. I think it was like 60,000 people total. And so you drove 10 minutes in every any direction and you were out of the city limits. I mean, you were considered still in the city, but, but it was not downtown area at all. Like the houses outside, 10 minutes outside, would have five-acre plots, their own well... So it was, everybody just had these huge, huge yards and you spread out even further and then you have lots and lots and lots and lots of land. And so he was a rancher that drove an hour every day. Not every day, but probably a couple times a week. All these guys on the board, like the church wanted me to experience what the church was like. And then everybody in, all the people that went to the church and the people that I lived with wanted me to experience what Wyoming was like. So... They had me hang out with people and families would take me out to dinner and have me over for dinner. They would want me to experience what they do every day kind of thing just to see what their lives were like there in Wyoming, which was incredible considering the experiences I had reaching out to the other people. And they were like, yeah, we could maybe, you'd kind of be on your own and we don't really have any a lot for you, but we'll figure something out. Where instead, I had these people that called me in and said, yeah, come on in. We'll show you everything. We'll include you in our lives. And it was a really cool community and to be part of that. And that was, that was a sweet experience for me. The youth pastor and I actually got to know each other really well and became really close. That is another person that I haven't talked to in years, but we did become close when we were there. And like later on in my internship, he, uh, I mean, I don't know. I was into like all these punk bands and like pop punk bands and stuff. So I'm like wearing all these band t-shirts and sweatshirts and stuff. And and uh, <laughs> it turns out he and I ended up liking the same music, but I totally judged him like when when I saw him for the first time. And he and I talked about this later. And he picked me up at the airport and I had never seen him before. They didn't have, I don't even know if the church had a website at the time. <laughs> So he picked me up at the airport and we were talking on the cell phone. I had never seen him before. And I saw him and he was wearing like this turtleneck sweater and like this leather, leather jacket. Like he was dressed up for something. I don't remember what, but, but he, he said he visibly saw my shoulders slump because I was like, oh no, how are we going to get along? And it was really funny because I totally judged him from his appearance and it was not the case. Um, The guy was awesome. He and I had the same exact sense of humor and it was fun. So everybody wanted to give me these Wyoming experiences and Alan 
so he said, well, how would you ever, would you ever like to help on my ranch? And I said, yeah, I would, I'll totally do whatever you want me to do. And he said, can you ride a horse? I was like, yeah, I can ride a horse. I worked at a camp with horses and I went on like half an hour trail rides, something like that. I'm like, yeah, I can ride a horse. That's not a big deal. He goes, oh, okay, good. Because we're doing the longest horse ride we do in a year and in a few weeks. Do you want to come, you want to come do it with us? We have to move 400 cattle seven miles i think it was moving them from their winter grazing to their summer grazing land and it was seven miles away i think there were six of us and he said we're gonna all ride horseback it's a full day of being on a horse and you take these 400 cattle and you move them seven miles and (laughs) and i was like yeah I, i would love to do that that'd be great i'm picturing like city slickers and so i drove the hour to his place and they were all ready we got i got i think i got there like six in the morning so we could start early uh we got on our horses and we started riding and there's this there's i don't know what it's called but it's like this special like movement you do when you're riding a horse you kind of like flex your hips a little bit so that way your spine isn't taking the brunt of bouncing all the time and he and he's like well do you know how to do that i'm like yeah i'll figure it out i never learned that and so my spine was just bouncing on this horse for six hours seven hours of the day but it was incredible so they're all in this herd six guys are on horses some some farms use four-wheelers now they didn't do that they did it the old school way we rode on these horses and it was so funny because they would the cows would kind of get out of get out of formation and on our job our job was to make sure the cows stayed in their formation and just stay together and we didn't lose any and then we would move them the seven miles if any were giving you trouble or anything like that you'd go yeah 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 and you'd hit your leg or you'd you'd make some sort of noise that was my noise that was my cattle my cattle call you'd make that noise and then the the cow it would kind of snap the cows out of it and it's kind of telling them hey i'm in charge let's let's get moving I mean, it would be easy to get lost because you're going over, I mean, seven miles of land, cell phones don't work out there. There's no towers. There's no power lines. I mean, it is just open. You look in every direction and it's almost like you're at sea, except for you're in fields or there's hills and like creeks and stuff like that. But there's there's nothing awesome and overwhelming all at the same time because it's freeing and really scary. So uh, one of the cows went off path and got got out of the way and alan looks at me he's like dave you want to go you want to go get that cow i'm like uh yeah sure so i i took my horse over there and i'm doing the yeah 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 and i look around and i can't see anybody and the entire i couldn't see the herd i couldn't see anybody i'm like oh crap i don't know i think i'm gonna get lost in wyoming and they're gonna have to have like a helicopter and i'm gonna have to kill this cow and i'm gonna have to learn how to make fire and I'm going to have to roast this cow over the fire. And I don't even know what part the steak is. And, uh, and then within like like a minute, I was back with everyone. And they were just like over this little hill. And I freaked out about nothing, but it was overwhelming. Anyway, it was cool. And it was scary at the same time. But So uh, about halfway through um, the seven miles, they had they had their old family farm that they had built over a hundred years ago. So Alan and his family had been doing this for over a hundred years and they had the family farm 
that still had a place to keep the cows, so they would take it a, as a little break. And it was actually on a stream. And me and five cowboys took out our pack lunches out of our knapsacks and laid down in this grass and ate our lunches, and the cows were all tied up at this 100-year-old farm. We tied up our horses. And I kid you not, some of them even laid down and put their hat over their eyes and took a little little snooze. And it was so surreal. I I mean, I'm I go from this apartment with four other guys in St. Bonifacius, Minnesota to Cheyenne, Wyoming in the middle of nowhere with 400 cattle, five cowboys, we're taking naps and eating Pringles. And it was incredible. And so then after we rested for a little bit, we got we got back on our horses and finished the cattle drive. We went back to Alan's house and we must have taken the we must have left the cattle and taken the horses back. And then when we got there, he made he made us all dinner. His wife had dinner ready for us and it was this beef brisket that he had smoked himself and it was the best meal. The best beef brisket I've ever will ever have probably. Uh, but one of the taste I just remember, I remember so much of that day. You, you go through life and you don't remember. I mean, I barely remember Monday of this week. And, but that, that day is so vivid in my mind because it was just this unreal once in a lifetime experience for me. And I, about, it was, it was honestly when I, when that cow was lost and I went to go fetch it, that I realized Alan was not doing this. I was not helping Alan with this. I He was doing it because he wanted me to experience what it was like and what his life was like. That hit me really hard. I'm like, oh, I'm not helping him. He's teaching me something. And that was, that was really cool. So the next day, we had to drive two, two van loads, 15 passenger vans, um, full of kids to... Denver for the Rockies game. We would take groups of kids a couple times a year. They would go a couple times a year to the Rockies games. And so we would drive. It was like a two-hour drive from Cheyenne. Cheyenne is almost like a suburb of Denver. I'm probably offending Wyoming people, but I think they would say that too. And I remember my alarm went off. I had this ridiculous Scooby-Doo alarm clock with a nightlight that never worked, but the alarm would work. And you'd, you'd slap Scooby's head to turn off the alarm and his ears would stab you in the hand. And I don't know why I kept that freaking alarm clock, but I did. I had it, I had it, I still have it. I'm sure it's still in a box. So I turned off my alarm. I had to get up early that day too. And I I went to roll over to get out of bed and my entire back just seized up from riding that that horse and not being able to flex my hips like that. I've never been that sore in my entire life. I was like, oh, great. I got to take a, two van loads of junior hires to Rockies game and sit in a car for two hours. So we we go to the game. It was great. Rockies Stadium is incredible. You can see the Rockies right there. It's open air. You're downtown Denver. High elevation. It was cool. And it's a two-hour drive back after the game. It was a night game, so we're driving back late. I'm exhausted and super sore. So we stop at the gas station. We're like, all right, guys, five minutes at the gas station. Grab snacks. Like, let's go. And this girl comes out, and she's sitting in the back of the van. She has beef jerky in one hand and a huge thing of chocolate milk in the other hand. 
<laughs> she looks at me because I'm I'm standing outside the door making sure all the kids are getting out of the store, going back into the van. And she looks at me and goes, "Sometimes I get car sick." And that just goes in the van. If only you can rewind the clock and like like rip that beef jerky out of her hand and just pour that chocolate milk on the ground and say, get in the van. You're not eating any of this crap. But I, I can't. And so I didn't. So this is what happened. We're driving. We're driving back. It's dark. We're on the freeway. Not, not much in between Denver and, and Cheyenne. There's like a couple of Colorado towns, but not a lot. All of a sudden, I hear a lot of commotion coming from the back when you expect all these kids to be sleeping because of the two-hour car ride. Like, oh, no, oh, no, she's going to throw up. She's going to throw up. I'm like, oh, I know it is that girl. I know it's that girl. And all of a sudden, I hear her throw up all over the back of the van. So I I pull over as quick as I can. And this guy's like, she threw up on my shoes. And I'm like, oh, sorry, guys. I'm really sorry. That stinks. So I get her out. And... She throws up more. And she's like, oh, I feel so much better. Thank you for pulling over. Sorry I threw up in the van. I'm like, oh, it's okay. And I'm like, do you want to sit up front next to me in case you get car sick again? She's like, no, 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 I'm, I'm fine. I don't need to do that. So the whole van just reeks of puke. Because somebody had like a plastic bag from the convenience store and she got most of it in there, but it came out the sides and onto the floor. So the, so the floor of the van is, has puke on it and it just reeks like puke. So we got the windows open. We're driving, and all of a sudden she goes, I hear from the back again, I'm going to be sick. I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. So I pull over as fast as I can this time, get her out. She throws up again, and at this point, I'm like, you are sitting, you're sitting in the front with me, and you can finish my Gatorade. And she sat in the van, and we made it home, and I was, I remember seeing every star in the Wyoming sky using the garden hose of the church in the middle of the night and hosing that sucker down, getting all the puke out of it. So a few weeks go by, and, I, and I'm and i at another meeting with Alan, and he says, hey, we are going to brand all of our calves. Do you want to come help me brand these calves? And, and I was like, yeah, sure, I can, I can help brand calves. Because at this point, I'm like, I, I will do... I will do whatever. I mean, that experience of cattle herding. I'm like, yeah, I'll I'll help you brand calves. He's like, all right, well, come to my house six six in the morning. It's gonna be an all day thing again. We have seventy five calves we need to brand, and a calf is big. I want to do a little bit of a disclaimer. Uh, this story is gonna get a little graphic. I don't know how I feel about the process of branding calves now, but at the time I was like, yeah, I'll do it. So I'm gonna tell you the story with all the details. Um, feel free to fast forward if you if it's too much for your ears, but uh, here we go. We had 75 calves that needed branding. I'm like, okay, well, what do you do? So I get there and all the cows and the calves are together. So he said, the first thing we do is we have to separate the moms from the calves. The way you do that is you're in the pen with them. So there's, there's like 150 cows in this pen. Um, calves and heifers, whatever. The steers are kept separate because they can, they'll can, they hurt the other cows and the calves and they'll hurt you too. So they're separate. And they have this long, four or five foot long stick with a gallon jug on the end of it. I'm like, so from the giant pen with the, with the cows and the calves, there's two separate pens. And there's a calf pen and another cow, adult cow pen. 
someone from the back shuffles all of them to you, and you have to guide the calves into one and the moms into the other. So the moms automatically want to follow the calves. And so what you did is if they started following the calves, you'd smack them in the face with this empty plastic jug, and it would kind of stun them, and then they'd start walking towards the other way, and you kind of smack them, smack them until they, until they eventually go. So the calves are already moving like crazy because they're getting separated from their moms. They've never been separated from their moms before, and all of a sudden they're being separated. The moms are upset because you're separating them from their calves, and everybody's making tons of noise. And then that took a little bit of time, but once we got them, we got them, we shut them in there. And, and so then you pick teams of two. You and you have you and a partner, and you're in the and you're in the pen with the calves, and it's an electric brander, so they keep it in a bucket like a metal a metal bucket and they string electric cords electrical cords over the top of you kind of hanging down and then and the brander's right there. And so the the process is you grab the cow, someone runs over and brands them and then the other person comes over, gives them their vaccinations and then you tell them if they have horns or not. So I pick I pick a partner and he says, "Okay, well what do you do?" And what you do is one of the one of the guys in the team, the team of two, grabs the back leg of the calf. And at, as soon as they grab the back leg, that calf is going nuts because it doesn't want to be touched at all. And it knows that something not good is going to happen to it. So it starts kicking like crazy. And it's like a 200-pound animal trying to get away from you as best it can. And once you grab the back leg and you have it stabilized, the other guy runs up to it grabs the other back leg and part of the hip and actually brings it up in the air and slams it like kind of body slams it onto the ground and then you hold it in place you put your knee on the on on its neck and i remember i'm not shielding you from any of the details so that i'm just telling you as it is the other guy grabs one leg i grab grabs one leg and then uses their own leg to stabilize the cow and then you put one foot on the back leg and you put your other foot over their uh, their butthole because they're gonna poop all over the place when you brand them. <laughs> so, so when you're gonna brand them, they literally crap all over the place and all over everything, and it it just shoots out. Once in a while, you would miss, and it would just spray all over you. I'm pretty sure I threw those jeans away. And I'm thinking that the branding process will be super quick, and and then that's it. It was different branding. I mean, you are literally burning a symbol into the side of them to the point where their all their fur is gone and it's a scar on their body so it's not like this quick little touch like i was thinking it was gonna be like a and then that would be it but you you are holding this calf down and so somebody comes over sticks the brand in them and it's burning hair with tons of this gray smoke and it goes into your nostrils so you're just breathing in like this burning hair smell because your face is right there because you're on the ground. You're either your knee is on its neck or your foot is over its butthole. Like you are right there as it's getting branded. And it's it's probably 10, 15 seconds of just and the cow is just making these god-awful noises. Just horrible. <clears throat> and somebody comes over, runs over, tags its ear, and then vaccinates them. And I mean, the branding, the branding for these guys is really important. It's not something that they just carried over as old school. 
people actually steal the cows. And so they have a brand that is their specific brand for their family. And I mean, they had napkins with the brand on it. Like it, it's a big deal for them to have this brand. And especially when they're letting their cows just free graze on the land, they need to have this brand. So they brand them and they tag them. And then the guy with his knee on the neck of the calf, his job is to check to see if the calf has horns or not. And so you'd feel in, it was just like little nubs under the skin, but it, but you would feel the, you'd feel the horns. And at that point you yell out horns and there's a special guy who's there to deal with just the horns. And he had, and this is the part that gets pretty graphic, but he has what I can only describe as an apple core or like a devilish small ice cream scoop because it's super sharp around the edges. And so what he, when you say, when you say I've got horns, he runs over and he jabs this apple core devil ice cream scoop into the head of the calf and twists and just yanks out that horn and it just pops out of it. And then you look down and there's about a dime size hole in the, in the head of the calf and blood just immediately starts pouring out of there because you just i mean they just rip it out fast i mean this the guy who does the dehorning has been doing it and is really fast at it and they have this powder stuff that they just pour right over the top of it right over the top of the hole to make the bleeding stop immediately and then and then this this all happens within probably 30 seconds near a minute and then you let the calf go and it's kind of stumbles around the the pen and then shakes it off and they're and they seem to be back to normal pretty quickly after going through the most traumatic thing since birth for them that they've ever been through and we did that with 75 different calves so i helped wrestle a little over 30 calves that day and the branding i don't think i would do again uh i would do i would do the cattle drive i would totally do the cattle drive the branding is just it was a wild time. It was the wild, wild west. Those are my two cattle stories. Those are my city slicker days, which it was a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity at seeing someone else's life and what they do day-to-day. And Another really memorable day for me in Wyoming was 4th of July. They, they did 4th of July big there. Everybody was super excited about 4th of July. So the family, the family that I was staying with, all would get together, and so they're like, well, we're going to go buy a bunch of fireworks and then we'll all light them off and have a show tonight just in the backyard because everybody was on five acres of land. So they had plenty of land. And we we went to the fireworks store and these guys were just loading their carts full of fireworks. And it was like, oh my gosh, because I'm, I mean, I'm the intern. I'm using a borrowed car. I think I, I think I made $75 a week, which what I was fine with because room and board was free and I had like no expenses. I think I had to pay my cell phone bill, but so we left there with just this giant cart full of fireworks. They paid, it was $400 for fireworks. And the guy looked at his like seven year old son or eight year old son and was just like, we are not going to tell mom how much we spent on fireworks tonight. And he was like, okay, dad. So we took all these fireworks back with the family and and we just had a blast. We shot off these huge fireworks. They had a table set up with with three or four different spots for the mortar ones. 
and they drop men, shoot them off. We were running around with Roman candles, shooting them at each other, which is not safe, kids, but super fun. And I remember standing in the backyard looking out, and you could see for miles in every direction. And I could just see so many other families in Wyoming doing the same thing and so many groups of people doing the same thing. So there was just fireworks shows everywhere. The whole sky was lit up with fireworks shows. And then the the main Cheyenne fireworks show was also huge. And you could see it. I mean, they were five, six minutes from downtown. So you could see the entire show from their backyard. So it was just fireworks that night. And not like, oh, you hear a whistling, uh, like PD off of somebody or like bottle rockets in the backyard. It was huge mortar fireworks going off shaped like cowboy hats when they went off kind of thing. It was amazing. And I, it was, that was one of my favorite things being in Wyoming is being able to see so many stars and this huge open area with nothing around. You could watch a thunderstorm every night and somewhere around there, you could see in the distance storm clouds and lightning and know that somebody was getting a thunderstorm and you were just watching it. I loved that. So towards the end of my trip, my now wife, she was not my girlfriend at the time even, came out to visit me with another group of friends. We were really close and and her and some other, I think it was two girls and three guys came out to visit. And I took them around Wyoming and hung out. That was the one Sunday I preached by myself, both services. So they sat through both services. I was dating somebody else at the time, and I. Had, but truth be told, since I was 12, I was enamored by Jessica, and, and I always wanted to date her, and we had had conversations a lot. And it, was, it always ended up with her saying, well, no, we're just friends. And so my friends really wanted to come out to visit me. She came, with, she came along, and we had been talking. We probably had talked some, but not a lot, because I had a girlfriend, and I wanted to kind of keep my distance. And... Things were not going that great with my girlfriend. Uh, long distance was not great, and we didn't really have that awesome of a relationship. I mean, there was there was good things, but there it was tough being apart, and our lives were definitely drifting in different directions. And so, anyway, my friends came out, and we had a blast that weekend. We just had a really good time. Actually, the youth pastor was out of town, and he was like, well, "Why don't you just stay at my house with your friends?" So we had our whole house to ourselves. We just watched movies and hung out. And the last day they were there, I drove him back to Denver because everybody flies into Denver and then drives to Cheyenne because flying into Cheyenne is just really expensive. So we were driving back to Denver. Um, Jessica's plane took off earlier than the rest of the people. She is somehow, I think she bought a ticket before everybody else. So her plane left earlier than everybody. So I drove, we dropped her off at the airport, but we had a two hour drive and our friends sat in the back, but they had, they had movies in the back like those TV screens for kids in the back. And so my three friends were watching the TV with headphones on, and Jessica was sitting in the passenger seat as we were driving. Remember at the beginning when I said I'm going to tell every every bit, even if it's embarrassing or, or hard to listen to or whatever, this is embarrassing. <laughs> but I'm going to tell it anyway, because this is Hildo Spills the Beans. Um, Jessica, we were driving, and she goes, I think you're my lobster. I'm like, what? What are you talking about? And it was this thing from Friends, I think, 
I don't remember what. I think it was from Friends. I think it was something Phoebe said. But it was this story about lobsters, which I don't even know is true. I'll have to look it up. But she explained it to me that lobsters, like if they're in a tank with each other for a long enough time, they start holding claws because they feel attached to each other. And she said, I think you're my lobster. I think we've, we've spent so much time together and I think we're supposed to be together, at least dating. And I'm like, well, I've liked you for since I was 12, but I'm dating someone like this. This is bad timing. I, this isn't going to work. She was like, I know you're dating someone, but I needed to tell you. I needed to tell you in person. So I wanted to tell you when, when we all came out to visit you. And so I don't know where this is going to go, but let's just take this rest of the time and see what happens with your girlfriend. And I had a couple more months in Wyoming. So she was like, well, let's just see what happens. And I'm like, yeah, I'm, I don't know what to do. So I said goodbye. And I, we dropped her out at the airport. And then my friends and I, who were all pretending to watch the movie and really listening to our conversation, gave me a hard time. And we all talked about it. And then we went to the Denver Aquarium. And I was just like dumbfounded as to how to respond and what I was going to do about the girl I was dating at the time. And and this is the this is the really embarrassing part. Uh, so after a little while, probably a very short while, I don't remember how long the days was. I was like, I got to break up with my girlfriend. Like, I can't I can't be liking Jessica and dating this other girl. It's just not right. And obviously, I shouldn't be with this girl if I'm thinking about dating Jessica in the first place. And so I I need to tell her that we shouldn't be together anymore. And she was she was on a trip in Europe. And I decided that this was the time to break up with her, which is, I'm probably turning red right now just telling you guys this, but I did it over email, which is horrible and not okay. Uh, (laughs) While she was on a trip to Europe and I was in Wyoming, miles and miles away from each other. And I didn't have internet in my computer, but the family that that I was staying with had internet. They had dial-up. So once a day, so I would log in. And I sent her this email and was like, I don't think we should be together anymore. I don't, I feel like we've grown apart, yada, yada. And turned off the dial-up and left it. And and she went to an internet cafe in Europe and checked her email and I had broken up with her. And we exchanged some emails because we ended up, the timing overlapped. So I would check my email pretty frequently at that point. But that day, it was just because I was just waiting to see what her response was. And she wanted to break up too, but it sucked. And it was not a good way to do it. And it pretty much completely destroyed our relationship at all. Like there wasn't sal- salvaging that one. I haven't talked to her in a long time. I mean, we both kind of married our childhood sweethearts. So it ended up fine for both of us. But it was just not not good. So I broke up with her and I told Jessica I broke up with her and Jessica and I talked a lot towards the end of my time in Wyoming. And so August came and it was time for me to end my internship and I left the church and they gave me a really cool surprise going away party that my parents were there for because my parents were driving me back to Minnesota and it was it was the perfect way to end an incredible journey and it kind of transformed me as a person. I think I'm in between introverted and extroverted now, and I'm okay with being alone and having alone time and doing stuff so I still have never seen a movie by myself. That's on my list of things to do someday. But I got to Minnesota and 
I was about to start school again. I had a couple weeks before I needed to start school again, and Jessica and I were hanging out. And I was like, all right, I'm back. I'm back in Minnesota. I'm ready to start dating you. I broke up with my girlfriend. Let's do this. And she said, I think we just need to be friends. But that is another story for another episode of Hildo Spills the Beans. Thank you for listening tonight. Thanks for trying some new experiment out with me. It's been um, weird and strange for me, but I think it's been fun too. Uh, You can find more of the episodes where I talk to other people at our website, hil.do. You can also find it on iTunes under Hildo Spills the Beans. Thank you again to Jeff. He was going to edit this story down and make it sound way more interesting. And I appreciate him so much for it. Everyone have a good morning, afternoon, or evening. Until next time when Hildo spills the beans. And, and, um, and, 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 so, um, um, and, um, and, 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 um, and, 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 um, um, it was, but, um, um, and, um, you all, and, uh, and you kind of like hip your, uh, and, and the, the, and, 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 which is, um, and, 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 uh, and, um, but, uh, but yeah, and, and, and so the, um, and, and, um, and, and it was, and so, and, 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 um, it's just, and I, and, um, um, and, and it was cool. Uh, cool is not the right word. Experiential. Um, uh,